Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. What an awesome time to celebrate this morning. I hope you enjoyed hearing more about our children's ministry here at Faith Assembly. If you would, jump in there and get involved with Pastor Glenn. Thank you to the so many who are. Uh, This morning, if you have your Bible with you, I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17, and I want to talk to you this morning about being confidently you. Confidently you. I want to invite you today to take a step of faith with me. And it's a step that will cause you to realize dreams that exceed your wildest imagination It is a step that will leave you amazed by God's work in and through your life. It's a step that will cause you to recognize uh, a level of fulfillment and satisfaction like you've never known before and quite frankly, more than you ever imagined. It's a step that quite possibly may deliver some people from the grips of depression and despondency. I want to ask you a question this morning. How many of you would say this morning that when you get up and you look at the person in the mirror that you are completely 100% satisfied with who you see looking back at you? Not many. Not many. That is the response I anticipated. But if you'll take a step, and I'm not talking about cosmetically, I'm not necessarily talking about physically, I'm talking about the person, the, the, the individual, the, the persona that's there before you. But if you'll take this step with me today, it's going to change the way you see yourself in the mirror. It's going to change the way you look at yourself. No longer are you going to see every blemish and everything that you count an abnormality. You're no longer going to be estimating the impossibilities. But when you see yourself, you're going to see potential. You're going to see purpose. You're going to see worth. You're going to see value. Would you just look at somebody right now and say, I am precious in his sight. I am precious to God. Hallelujah. Rather than, rather than seeing everything that you'd like to change, you're going to begin to see every reason that you have to lift your hands and shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph, a voice of thanksgiving, and a voice of praise to live with a holy expectation that God is about to do something great in your life. Come on, somebody, and praise the Lord. Some of you might be saying right now, well, Pastor, I'm not sure about the direction of this message. It sounds like a pep talk to me. Uh, This is not a self-help, self-motivational kind of thing here. I'm not trying to encourage uh, conceit this morning, but rather I'm trying to encourage confidence in you to be who God created you to be. How many of you believe in the work of God? How many of you believe that he's omnipotent, that he's omniscient, that he doesn't make any mistakes, that all of his ways are true and they're right and they're just? You see, there's a conflict sometimes between what we say we believe and how we behave. Because when we say, God, I know that you have created me, but we look in the mirror and we have a trouble, we have a problem with me, then there's a disconnect there between what we say and how we behave. 
We say that God created us, that we know that he doesn't make any mistakes, but then we second guess and we question and we, we riddle ourselves with all kinds of guilt and these, these different things and we say, you know, I could have done this, but I didn't have that and, and we're, we're just troubled and in inner turmoil a lot of times. You know, God will often birth things in my heart and he'll show me things that he wants me to do or he'll call me to step out. And, and do certain things. And do you know when God begins to deal with me, do you know what my biggest problem is? My biggest problem is not that God has spoken, it's not what He has spoken, but the fact of the matter is when God speaks to me and calls me out into things, sometimes my biggest problem is that I'm me. I am troubled by the fact sometimes that I'm me. Maybe, maybe it's a dream or a vision for something that's far greater than my present circumstances could ever, ever support or supply. But I know that with God all things are possible, right? Except with me. Maybe God's prompting you or me to perform a certain act or pursue a certain goal or lead in a certain direction. It may be God prompting me sometimes to use a gift that I already possess. For you, it could be that God is wanting you to use your voice to sing or to encourage someone or maybe to be a witness. But we say, Lord, it's, it's me. You remember? It's me. See, I don't have any problem this morning believing God for you. How many of you find it a lot easier to believe God for somebody else than for yourself? I don't have any problem believing God for you. When, when I'm not the one through whom has to, God has to work to get something done, I just know that he is able. I believe that he's able. You tell me your dream, and I'm going to say to you, listen, hey, God has got this. God is going to do great things with you. You're going to see. You wait until the end of this. You're going to be amazed by what God is going to do. See, I don't have any problem believing for you. I can, and the reason for that is I can more readily see your talents. I can more readily see your abilities. I see God's gift in you. I see God's favor on your life. I can see his anointing. It may feel like a mess to you right now, but I can see how God is working in and through your life, turning your mess into a message, working all things for your good. The test that you're going through right now is going to be a great testimony. I can just feel it for you. Amen? But when I look at me, I see every blemish. I know the failures. I can remember everything I've ever done wrong. I understand every shortcoming. I'm not handsome enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not as popular as I'd like to be. I don't feel like anybody likes me. And as a matter of fact, I feel like I have a great idea, but I believe within myself that because I'm the one that's doing it, nobody's going to support it. Oh, they, they would support a hundred other people if they decided to do the same thing, but they can't, get, they can't support it right now because I'm the one doing it. I'm talking to somebody in this place this morning. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I find myself in difficult situations. Oh, I believe God in your difficult situation. But when I get in a difficult situation and it's me in the middle of the storm, I begin to think that God's forgotten about me, that he's forsaken me. He led my friends through a similar situation to bring them to blessing, but not me. 
He led my sister through a similar thing to position her for an outpouring of his goodness, but not me. And the last thing I want to hear from you or anyone else when God is going to do something in my life and I've got to go through a trial is that I don't want you to come to me and tell me that God's working all things for my good. You take your cliche and go tell it to somebody who wants to hear it because I know the reason that I'm facing what I'm facing is because it's what I deserve. Woe is me. I, I, I have believed the lie of the enemy over my life, that report of despair, that report of condemnation, that report of inferiority. I, I believe the enemy will lead us to a place where we believe that we don't deserve God's blessing, we don't deserve God's favor in our lives, and the truth of the matter is we don't. But he loves us so much that through the blood of Jesus Christ, we got it coming anyway. When God first called me into ministry, my biggest struggle was not understanding that God needed folks to preach the gospel. It was not understanding that there were people who needed to hear the gospel, but it was understanding that he had called me. I wasn't qualified, and I'm still not. I wasn't that level of person. You know, you look at, you know, God, God begins to speak to you. God calls you to things that are bigger than you are. And God says, hey, Bill, I want you to do this thing for me. And Bill says, but Lord, Brian is more qualified. Why don't you call him? Jim is more anointed. Why don't you call him? Josh is more talented why don't you call him miss Evelyn is more godly why don't you call her not me Lord not me Lord this how can this thing be Lord it's not that there's any it's just that it's me now it's not that I was ashamed of the call it's that I was unsure of me and I get the feeling that I'm not alone as a matter of fact, you may be here this morning and you're saying, oh, pastor, you're, you're reading my mind. I want to tell you that mind reading is not one of the gifts that come along with a call to pastoral ministry. Now, I know there are a lot of people that believe it is, but it is not. And I can't read your mind. I've not been reading your mind, but the truth of the matter is I don't have to. I don't have to read your mind because there's a little box on your mobile device and it pops up on your computer screen and it says, what's on your mind? And you share indiscriminately for the world to see, myself included, and I can read. You know, a lot of people talk about social media and the things that people post, and they say, oh, this person, they post because they just want you to feel like their life is all together and that they've got it all so grand, and, 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 and just, they're, they're just posting the highlights and the snippets and things like that, and it's a facade because really behind the scenes their life is falling apart. Well, I believe that's right in part. But one of the things that Pastor Lisa and I often have observed is that more often than not, we see people who are posting things and, and they're, they're putting things out there and they're not trying to candy coat anything for you. They're telling you how bad life is. They're telling you every hardship. They're telling you every trial that they're going through because they want somebody to come along and encourage them. 
They, they want somebody to assure them that it's not just because it's them that they're facing the things in this life that they're facing, that it's common to all men. Let me tell you something. That, that young lady puts that picture on social media with 12 layers of filtering on it, not because she wants to show you all the great time that she's having, but because she needs somebody to tell her that she's beautiful. Why? Because a lot of times we can't look at our own life and see the beauty. Because we can't look at our own situation many times and see the blessing. We've got to have somebody else to see it for us a lot of times and relay the message. But today I want to challenge you to come out of that and confidently be the you that God has created you to be. I want to challenge you to have confidence in the person you are that when God breathed and said, let there be a Sean, that you are that person confidently and boldly. That when God breathed and said, let there be a Brian, let there be a Quan, that you will stand up and be that person that God has made you to be with boldness. Because can I tell you something today? I'm just going to go ahead and give you a spoiler right here. There are some giants roaming this land. And they will continue to roam this land until the person that you have been created to be stands up and walks confidently in who God has created you to be. I want to share with you a word this morning about David. David, when I say David, you automatically think... Well, thank you. When I say David, you think Goliath, the giant slayer, the king of Israel. That's, that's, it, David's name is synonymous with conquer and conquest and overcoming. You, 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 you feel me? You, you got where I'm going there? I mean, I say, David, you think Goliath, you think about the little stones and the anointing of God on his life and how that he just, an army was over here quaking and shaking and he was just slinging stones and killing giants and conquering and taking territory. Well, can I tell you just something this morning? David didn't do all those things because he was sitting somewhere wishing that God had made him somebody else. David did all those things because he rose up in the calling and in the person that God had created him to be. And you say, well, you know, we know all the story of David. We know he was a mighty king, great conqueror, all that stuff, giant slayer. That's great. I'm not David. You see, I've got odds stacked against me. There are things coming against my life. Nobody will encourage me. Nobody lifts me up. Nobody comes alongside of me. They don't like me. Can I tell you something? They didn't like David. Let me, let me give you a hard luck story. One time there was this young man, and he was out tending the sheep of his father's pasture. And the Lord had directed a prophet to come to that father's house because the king of that nation had taken a wayward turn and he was sliding away and God had already deposed him spiritually but not physically just yet. 
and God said there must be another king anointed to succeed this guy and you need to go to the house of a certain man and you need to find a search among his sons and there you're going to find the next king. So Samuel the prophet goes down to Jesse's house, Jesse the father of David. And he said, Jesse, the Lord has spoken to me and I need to, I need to look at all your sons because uh, from among your sons there's going to be anointed the next king of Israel. Jesse said, right away, sir, I'll line up my young men and have them stand here before you. He went and got all of his sons except for one. And he brought them in the house and one by one they passed before Samuel and Samuel looked at them and he said, oh, that's a fine looking man. And the Lord said, no, man looks at the outside appearance, but God's looking at the heart. This is not the one. And he came to the end of that line and he said, Jesse, what's going on? All of your sons have passed before me, but the spirit says no to each of them. Is there somebody else? I want you to put yourself in David's place right here for just a minute. Your own father has disqualified you for the call of God on your life. Can you imagine, can you just imagine with me for a minute the conversation between the pasture leading back to the house? Maybe Jesse looked over at David and said, David, there's a prophet up here at the house and he says that from among my sons will come the next of the king of Israel. But I want you to know, son, I've already had all of your brothers, the, the strongest, the most handsome, the most talented. I've already had all of those pass by him. And he said no to each of them. I don't know, son. Maybe this is just a formality. Maybe he didn't hear what he thought he heard from the Lord. It, this shouldn't take long. But we'll go ahead and take you by the house just to satisfy the prophet. Now, that's my addition. It's not in the word. But how does it make you feel when the man of God comes to the house and says, hey, I think the next person of prominence in this nation is going to come from among your sons, and you're overlooked? How many of you ever been overlooked? He got overlooked by his father. You all know the story that David is most well known for. It's the story when he went out to fight the giant. One day his father finally found some usefulness for him aside from tending sheep. And he said, son, I want you to deliver some groceries to your sons. You know, all of the ones that I did put before the, before the prophet, I want you to deliver groceries to them out in the battlefield. Take some bread, take some cheese, go and carry them to him. So he goes out there, he gets out there, he hears this uncircumcised Philistine taunting the armies of the living God and cursing God and he said what's all this racket over here on the hillside that I hear and they begin to tell him and he begins to express to them a desire and anointing he said look when I was in my father's pasture tending the sheep a, a lion came out and a bear came out and they would take one of those lambs and I would go after them and I would grab him by the beard and smite him and he let go of the lamb and then when he rose up again I would take him by the beard and hit him again and kill him with my bare hands and basically what he says to Saul in that moment is listen that's the way God moved in my life it may not be the way God moved in everybody's life but I feel that same anointing welling up on the inside of me when I hear this giant mocking on the other side and I believe I'd like to have a hand in ridding this army of this problem 
So his brother looks at him and says, now his oldest brother Eliab, verse 28, when he heard David speak to the men, Eliab's anger was aroused against David and he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? In other words, David, you're, you're doing nothing of significance with your life. You're just tending a few sheep. That's all daddy will let you do. And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? And then he goes all judgmental on him and says, I know your pride. I know the insolence of your heart. For you've come down to see the battle. You see, David knew what it was like to not have a cheering section. Oh, yeah, he knew what it was like to have a cheering section after he slew the giant. But he didn't always know what it was like to have that when it was his time to rise to the occasion. He had to fight through adversity. He had to fight through struggle. He had to fight through people trying to cast insecurity on him. He was both aware and confident, however, of what the Lord had been doing in his life. He said, hey, I, I, I can do this with God's help. And then finally, those around David consented to his request to face the giant, but they insisted that he do so clad in their armor. In other words, they said, look, we don't mind if you do it, but you need to do it our way. You need to do it like us. Verses 37 through 39 reads this way, And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord will be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head, and he clothed him with a coat of mail. And David fastened his sword to his armor, and he tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Now, I want to tell you where most of us would be in this story right here. Most of us would have on an ill-fitting, ill-fitted anointing and be heading to our demise. Do you know how we'd die? We would die marching to the battlefield, looking over our shoulder at the rest of the army who was unwilling to do anything about it, mind you, when Eliab has this anger roused against David, it's always unsettling to those who sit idle when you stand up to walk in your anointing. But most of us would have died on our way to face the giant, looking over our shoulder, being sure that everybody else in the army approved of the way we were wearing the armor. But David shook that off. He said, no, this is, not, this is not the way the Lord has been moving in my life. But sometimes we're so hungry for their approval that we wouldn't, we wouldn't have known which way was up. And if you don't believe for one second that everybody in that camp was talking about David when he went and shook that armor off and went down to the brook and found five smooth stones to go out and face a giant, then you're kidding yourself. Everybody in that camp was, was talking. It was a buzz. They saw him take that armor off and say, no, I don't, I don't need this. I'm going down to the brook. I'm going to get me some stones. David was crouched down over the brook, finding him some stones. And everybody else in the camp, do you know what everybody else in the army was doing? Everybody in the army was talking about him, saying, is this guy crazy? Has he lost his mind? There's no way. He needs to do this. He needs to do that. Now, mind you, they weren't doing anything. 
I tell people a lot of times when they find criticism and fault, I say, I like the way I'm doing it wrong better than the way you're not doing it at all. But he's down there and he's getting those five smooth stones. And behind him there's a chatter saying, look, what is he doing? Well, he's just going to go out there and get himself killed. But David knew what God was doing in his life. David knew who God had called him to be. And he just kept walking in that confidence of what the Lord was doing in his own life. You see, many people are perishing today waiting for the approval of man to be who God created you to be. I'm going to tell you this. You let Saul wear his own armor. But you concern yourself more with being clothed in the anointing of God that is custom-tailored for your life and the life that he has called you to serve in. You be more concerned with that. And let me give you some scripture here this morning and we're going to close. I know that in the book of Romans that Paul says, For I know that in me that is in my flesh nothing good dwells. And this is certainly true of us if we're left to our own resources. And void of Christ, this explains us all pretty well. I know especially in the Pentecostal circles and and especially those with any degree of background in the holiness movement that we like to keep folks well informed of this truth. That in you there's no good thing. We don't want folks thinking more highly of themselves than they ought to think. We don't need folks becoming self-righteous. I, I get it. I get it all. I understand that. But sometimes we've taken that to a degree that it limits our freedom to celebrate exactly what God has done in our lives. Paul goes on in another place in Scripture, though, to say this. Therefore, if any man is in Christ Jesus... Old things have passed away and all things have been made new. Can I tell you today, when you lack confidence in yourself, when, you, when I lack confidence in myself to walk in my gifting and fulfill the call of God for my life, it's not me that I'm doubting at this point. It's the work of God in me that I'm doubting. Paul said in Romans, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who don't walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. When you look in your mirror and you struggle with the person looking back at you, understand that that is not the truth of God over your life. Now granted, you may see some things that you need to get improved on. You might need to get more healthy. You might need to uh, work to bring improvement to some area in your life. But the voice of condemnation does not belong to God see when God created the earth he worked the first day and he said it's good when God worked days two through five he backed away from it and he looked at what he had done he said it's good but on day six he created man and he worked that sixth day and he backed away from it and he said it is very good might I remind you this morning that you are created in the image of Almighty God you are not a mistake you are not a mistake you are not an abnormality you are exactly who he formed and fashioned you to be you are who he has created you to be 
John explains it this way and he says, greater is he that is in you than he that's in this world. Well, pastor, I'm limited in this way. It's okay. Greater is he that's in you than your limitations. Well, pastor, I don't have this thing. Well, that's okay because greater is he who provides for you than what you're able to provide for yourself. God has done a work in your life. It's something miraculous. It's something dynamic. And it's something that sets you apart from the rest of the world. You're special. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are so special that you are indwelt by the Spirit of God. There is nothing ordinary about you. You understand this, that society didn't make you. Society can't define you. Society can't judge you. The psalmist says it this way, for you form my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, all they all were written the days fashioned for me when as yet there was none of them in another place the psalmist says make a joyful shout to the lord all your lands serve the lord with gladness come before his presence with singing know that the lord he is good it is he who has made us and not we ourselves we are his people and the sheep of his pasture God spoke to the prophet Jeremiah and said, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. He knew you. He knew who you were going to be. He knew what you were going to be. And for the person that you are, he had a plan and a purpose. You might not think you've got what it takes to raise that kid, but God ordained it before you were born. You might not think you've got what it takes to handle that promotion at work, but God ordained it before you were born. You might not feel like you're worthy to serve in the church, but God ordained it before you were born. You might not feel like you were worthy to walk in the blessing and the anointing of God, but God ordained it for your life and everything that you are. He has has already seen it and He has blessed it and He has a measure of favor and anointing waiting for you to rise up. But I want to tell you something. There are giants in your life There are giants in your life and your friends can't pray them away and your pastor can't preach them away. We don't have enough oil in this house to anoint them away and they will always be there and they will always taunt you and they will always speak against the word of life, the word of God that is over your life until you rise up in the anointing of who God has created you to be and say no more no more not today I want you to stand with me all over this congregation this morning and I want you to raise your hands right now and thank God thank him certainly for his work on Calvary thank him specifically though for his work in your life you are not what you used to be you are not you are not that person you used to be but Jesus Christ has come into your heart and into your life 
And he is transforming you and he is changing you. I'm going to tell you, you don't have to be confident in yourself. You'll be confident in what God is doing in you. You'll be confident in the way that he's moving in your life. You might say, I speak funny, but that didn't matter for Moses. You might say, I don't have the resources, but that didn't matter for Gideon. You say, everybody's against me, but that didn't matter for Joseph. I'm not asking you to have confidence in the old broken part of who you were, but rather in the work of Christ for your life. He didn't make a mistake when he called you. He didn't make a mistake when he anointed you. And I share this message with you today in the same manner as the Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians. Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. All church, all church, don't, don't be content anymore. Don't be content anymore to listen to the taunting of the giant. Don't be content anymore to, to entertain the, the condemnation of your adversary. God has an anointing for your life. God has a, don't put Saul's armor on. I'll tell you something. There are times in my life I have to say, Steve, you don't have to preach like Jake's. You don't have to preach like Stanley. You don't have to preach like Graham. You be the you that God has created you to be. You, you let me work through the you that I've ordained you to be. I believe there's some folks in here right now that you don't have any problem believing the miracle for your friend, for your neighbor, for your coworker, for your family member. to you all that you can see of yourself is that brokenness all that you can see of yourself is that inadequacy all that you can find in yourself is insecurity but I want to tell you like John today greater is he that is in you greater is he that is in you than all of those things it's time for you to rise up Say, God, I, I don't need you to anoint a prophet to bring me a word. I don't, I don't need you to anoint a different warrior to come to my rescue. God, I need you to anoint who I am. I need you to anoint the me that you've created me to be. I need you to give me the courage and the boldness to stand up and be confidently who you have called me to be in this moment. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.